really saw in that last nanosecond they saw what they were. That you, yourself, this whole big drama, it, it was never anything but a jerry rig of presumption and dumb will. And you could just let go. Finally know that you didn't have to hold on so tight. To realize that all your life, not all your love, all your hate, all your memory, all your pain, it was all the same thing. It was all the same dream, a dream that you had inside a locked room. A dream about being a person. You were thrown into the world, and at some point in time, you became self-aware. Not long afterward, you realized you were a hostile participant in a game you hadn't chosen to play. After a long, slow transformation, you went from wanting to change the rules of the game to suit your desires, to wanting to become better at playing by the rules as they stood. Or did you? When the rules of a game are well-defined and completely understood by the player, he or she can straightforwardly think about how best to play the game in order to achieve victory. Whether or not the player is actually motivated to win is another story. People don't always play games to win. Sometimes it's just a part of socialization, and there are times when the desire to sharpen physical and or mental skills is enough to motivate one to participate. There's more than one reason to play a single match of a game of any kind in most cases. But if the stakes are extremely high, and winning that single match will dramatically change the player's life for the better, while losing it would bring disastrous consequences. Most would agree that all reasons for playing pale in significance to the reason of playing to win. If the game were one of survival, where winning means continued life while losing means death, for most of us it would seem there are many more reasons to choose not to play the game than there are to accept the challenge of participating. We can easily imagine how horrific it would be to be forced to participate in a game of survival. In fact, the idea of someone being forced to become a hostile participant in a game of death in some remote location has been explored frequently in popular fiction, both in literature and in film, provoking each of us with access to such entertainment to wonder, in relative safety, what it would be like to live from one moment to the next, thinking of only how best to stay alive under extraordinary pressures having done nothing of our own volition to bring about such circumstances. Of course, the conscript sent to fight on the front lines during a military campaign doesn't have to imagine this. He experiences the bloody nature of warfare himself. And what of the young woman, for example, who finds out during a routine visit to the doctor's office that she has an illness which, if left untreated, will result in death in the near future? If the treatment itself is prolonged and causes suffering, she'll likely feel that she too has been forced into a horrific survival game. Indeed, we know how life can present such awful situations to even the most privileged. We're all going to die, some of us sooner than later. Our children and grandchildren are all going to die, some of them in unimaginably horrible ways. We were never given the chance, prior to our births, to opt out of participating in the game of life, and our descendants won't have the option either. They'll be condemned to participate, by us. All you've come to know was once unknown to you, and there's so much more left to learn, yet it would be impossible to form a meaningful idea of just how much it is that you still don't know. You're aware of the existence of knowledge that others have which you don't. You'd even admit that there must exist knowledge had by others which you haven't even considered, 
And then, of course, there are things yet undiscovered by anyone. All of the books and all of the libraries on this planet contain a mere fraction of what humans have come to know in the relatively short time we've been around. And this knowledge is infinitesimal in terms of all that we have yet to discover about ourselves, our planet, and the universe. Faced with such an abysmal lack of understanding, it might seem pointless to ask questions about the grand scheme of things, let alone one's role in it. To refer to a scheme at all is a very human thing to do. We want things to make sense, which is evidenced by the order out of disorder that we see all around us. Yet, to try and make some semblance of sense of something which you have incomplete knowledge of requires stretching the imagination. And, since what you can imagine is limited by your experience, it seems likely that you'll often come to quite different conclusions than others will when considering the abstract. You are the experiencer, the perceiver. To say you are one of many experiencers is to say that you perceive the collective presence of others in the world and accept that they exist as you do. However, what you accept as truth based on your perceptions doesn't change the fact that the only perceptions you are truly aware of are your own. Even if you believe that the world and the living beings you perceive all around you do truly exist, you must accept that you are the prime experiencer. Of this, there can be no doubt. Constrained by the limits of our own perceptive abilities, we must necessarily conclude that existential meaning is completely subjective. Long ago, we left behind the daily struggle to survive and moved into an age of thriving, which extends to present day. Our ability to flourish as a species has grown spectacularly since the early days of civilization. Yet not every member is lucky enough to survive long, let alone thrive. We exhibit empathy and compassion, yet have a great capacity for violence and cruelty. We struggle to live in ways which we believe to be morally correct. With great achievements in technology, we've created ways to reduce suffering and improve the quality of daily life yet we also have intentionally developed the tools with which to destroy ourselves. We have machines that function as extensions of ourselves, many of which were developed with the same scientific knowledge necessary to build, for example, remote weapons guidance systems. We marvel at our technological advancements, but given the existing potential for self-annihilation, we also wonder whether or not our species will survive much longer. Billions of human stories are unfolding in the world right now. Each and every one includes some consideration of that age-old philosophical question, why are we here? And there are many who claim to have an answer. Within a single culture, a majority of people are likely to hold similar ideas concerning the existential dilemma. But if we look beyond our own societies and take in a larger view of the world and its inhabitants, we find many different beliefs about the meaning of life. Yet, we also see that most don't appear to think too deeply about it at all. It seems that we humans just want to get on with the business of living life and making of it what we can. Of course, people of faith perform their necessary rituals and give a certain amount of thought towards their gods. But most of them spend the largest part of each day trying to make a living if it doesn't happen to be an allocated day of rest. That isn't to imply that in going about our daily lives we give a lot of thought to our actions either. We do what's necessary by acting according to our conditioning most of the time, and usually only find our conscious minds fully engaged when we're confronted with a problem or something else that commands our attention. And though our individual lives may not seem terribly complex, the societies in which we live are. 
The more complex our society is, the more we often are likely to find ourselves beyond the limits of our experience with no conditioning to inform our behavior. It's in those times we often find ourselves acting in ways in which are inadequate or are contrary to our own moral standards. We can feel prepared for anything one moment and be facing a crisis of confidence the next. And sometimes we face experiences that leave us psychologically shattered, times when seemingly everything we thought to be true about ourselves and our world turned out to be just fiction, partly a story told to us by our society and for each of us respectively, partly a story created in the mind. Though it'd seem irrational to use events like these as a springboard for diving deeper into delusion, that's exactly what many do. They turn to or reaffirm their faith in a higher power, or they create a new fiction for themselves, one in which the blame for failure gets shifted in part more completely away from them. Still others might accept the blame completely and promise themselves never again, not realizing that for them, hitting the reset button means they're about to start down a different path of self-delusion. Socrates apparently stated that the unexamined life is not worth living. Looking at the people around you, though, the people you know well, how much do they engage in introspection? It's likely that some, if not most, of the seemingly happiest among them spend very little time examining their own lives at all. Another Socrates quote goes like this, quote, I am wiser than this man, for neither of us appears to know anything great and good, but he fancies he knows something, although he knows nothing, whereas I, as I do not know anything, so I do not fancy I do. In this trifling particular, then, I appear to be wiser than he, because I do not fancy I know what I do not know." Unquote. Socrates is right. One who understands the limits of his knowledge is wise. The most startling fact about those of us in modern societies is not that we're able to live comfortable, satisfying lives while not really knowing much. It's that we don't even seem to be aware of how much of our lives are spent getting away with knowing so little about the fundamental nature of the world and the people in it. We know what works, what keeps things rolling smoothly, and that's enough for most of us. If you get the feeling that the less you know about the fundamental nature of the human condition, the better, then don't listen to another episode of this podcast. If you are interested, however, in dramatically changing the way you see yourself and the world of people around you, then listen on. But keep in mind that you may find what you hear in the following episodes that follow quite disturbing. Thank you for listening. Please join me next time for episode one, Personal Identity.